Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Good morning. It is Tuesday, July 11th. It is six minutes after nine. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Yeah, and unfortunately, Casey, we begin the show today with the tragic news. Yesterday, uh, Marion County Sheriff's Deputy John Durham tragically murdered um, yesterday by by an inmate. And obviously that dominated much of the news cycle yesterday. So try to get a kind of an update on what's going on, what's been taking place. Uh, we decided to to head over to the drivehubler.com hotline, joined by our our, our good friend, Rick Snyder, head of the Indy FOP. Hey, Rick, to begin with, I'm wondering if you can take us through what happened. Well, we're still uh, waiting for all the facts to come out as a result of the investigation. Uh, what we do know is that we have a heartbreaking tragedy, another in the long line that have occurred as of late. You know, it's important to note that uh, we've had three uh, line of duty deaths of uh, public safety officials uh, in just the past 12 days uh, in our state. Uh, and our hearts are just broken for this latest family, but also this latest agency and coworkers uh, that are going through this. And it just reminds everybody of the violence that we're seeing throughout our communities. And, you know, as, was, as has been proven here, uh, the surging violence is not just an issue within our capital city anymore. It's surging and spreading out to other communities. Rick Snyder, our guest, head of the Indy FOP, talking about the uh, tragic death yesterday of John Durham, the uh, Marion County Sheriff's deputy. Okay, Rick, so how much of this is this increased violence on law enforcement, the fact that we spent several years where many politicians basically told criminals, hey, cops are the bad guys, and doesn't matter what you do, they're the ones to blame. It seems like it's emboldened these criminals. Well, there's no doubt about that. We've been very consistent in talking about that, of course, is that the revolving door of criminal justice, the only thing that it results in is not consequences for criminal offenders, but consequences for victims throughout our communities. And this continues to prove that. You know, uh, while we're still awaiting the outcome of the investigation specific to this attack, we can talk about what we do know. We do know that this is a repeat criminal offender, Hmm. violent criminal offender, who public reports through media outlets have shown and demonstrated and have actually said this person has an extensive criminal history and a pattern of violence. Uh, I saw one local media report, I think from WTHR Channel 13, that showed that there were prior charges on the suspect for domestic violence-related charges, domestic violence in the presence of a child, domestic violence on a pregnant female, strangulation, intimidation. But here's the other part of what was said in that news story. A sweetheart plea deal was given Hmm. by this Marion County prosecutor. All of the charges, but one of those were dropped. Uh, And even the charge that was uh, uh, pled guilty to was reduced. And the offender was reported to have served only one day in jail. Now, what do you think that does to a violent criminal offender? Do you think that discourages them or interrupts their cycles of violence? No, it emboldens them. And uh, we see this no fear of consequences or accountability leads to ongoing evil and uh, wickedness 
that's perpetrated upon our communities. Rick Snyder is our guest, the head of NDFOP, talking about the tragic death yesterday of John Durham, uh, Marion County Sheriff's uh, Deputy Casey. Yeah, I'm wondering. So it's been reported that he was uh, in the Sheriff's Department for nearly 40 years, came from a law enforcement family. What else can you tell us about Deputy Durham? Well, I mean, he's just a long-term guy, right? 38 years at the Sheriff's Department as being a detention deputy. He worked as a jail deputy and was known for inmate transportation uh, for nearly four decades. You know, here's here's the fact on top of all of that of being a faithful public servant. He's just a good dude. He's well known for his love of family, his love for his coworkers, his community. He's also well known for his love of golf. Uh, he was known to be a frequent golfer and, and loved the sport, but he also participated in a lot of our golf outings for fallen officers uh, across our state and was well known to attend the Jake Laird golf outing faithfully every single year. And uh, it's just a tragic loss for this family that's well known for ties to law enforcement and specifically the Marion County Jail and uh, detention work. And, uh, you know, here's here's the fact. it's a it's a It's a tragic reminder that uh, of the threats that our officers face on the street, but also our detention personnel face, uh, even in secure facilities, uh, you know, with dangerous, but as we've seen, tragically deadly offenders. And that's why the focus must remain on the criminal offenders. Guys, take note of this. These last three incidents, two of the three uh, occurred in gun-free zones, one in a hospital, one in a jail. Two of the three did not involve a gun. Why do I bring this up? Because the focus must remain on the criminal offenders who are committing the violence. And that is why we must hold them accountable and ensure that we close the revolving door of criminal justice. Rick, as you've mentioned, the state has suffered great losses over the past two weeks. What does that do to the morale of your department? Well, as I shared last last night, you know, uh, publicly, our officers are really walking through a pretty deep and dark valley. I mean, we've gone through three straight years now of being demonized, uh, dehumanized, and then that's result, resulted in being demoralized. And you compound that with the drastic officer shortages we're facing throughout Indianapolis, but in many major cities across this country. And, you know, in Indianapolis alone, we're 350 officers down. Officers are being uh, required to work many hours in overtime and extra shifts just to make this work. And uh, it's catching up with us as a profession, but also as a community. And uh, that's why we've asked for the public to display those blue lights. Uh, It sounds like such a simple, easy thing, maybe even a little cliche. But I can tell you when an officer is struggling with their morale, their motivation, wondering if what they're doing is really making a difference or, quite frankly, does anyone care? And they drive down that dark street, down your neighborhood in the middle of the night while you're sleeping. But they see that blue light. It's a beacon of hope to them and a reminder that there are vast majority of women and men in our community that support what they are doing and want them to continue to stand the line. Uh, Rick Snyder, head of Indy FOP, is our guest. Uh, Rick, take us through what it's like from an officer's perspective. Obviously, you mentioned, uh, you know, Deputy Durham, longtime guy, loved by many people. What's it like for officers who you go to work the next day 
And this guy's literally not there. And every death is tragic, but it's not like, you know, the guy passed away from cancer or, or had a heart attack. He literally died doing the job, and now the guy's just not there. He was there a day before. He's not there now. How does that affect the kind of the mental psyche? What is it like for the officers around uh, Officer Durham? Well, again, it's a reminder of not only what those in public safety do, but what they may have to do. And it's a stark reminder to our officers, uh, because here's the deal. The work must go on. And you're not only going back and that fellow co-worker is not there now and you're dealing with that death and that tragedy, but you're also right back into the very um, place where the tragedy occurred. And again, this isn't like other professions, even other professions that have high rates of deaths within the, the work. Uh, most of those all deal with accidental deaths. These, this is a profession where your clients are taking your life. And uh, it's a very different formula that we deal with. And remember, all these, not just officers on the street, but again, I want to point out our detention uh, personnel, such as Detention Deputy John Durham, but those in corrections that work in the jails, that work behind the bars in our state prisons, they all deal with a heightened level of hypervigilance, and they're in that constant state all the time. And that definitely takes a toll on the, the physical body, but also on your mental and emotional well-being as well. And then with tragedies like that, it really hits you hard spiritually. And uh, that's why it's so important that we provide the support that we do through the Fraternal Order of Police for all of our, all of our folks and uh, stand and walk alongside them and their families. From my perspective, it seems like Indianapolis is in a state of crisis. I'm wondering if you agree with this, and what is your answer to stop it? Well, since October of, uh, I'm sorry, September of 2019, uh, we have said that Indy is in crisis. Our capital city is in crisis. And what we have warned uh, since 2019 is that if we don't get a handle on this revolving door of criminal justice, that violent offenders would spread out to surrounding communities. And unfortunately, that's proven to be true. We had a recent report that showed that nearly 40 percent of all the inmates in the Johnson County Jail were Indianapolis residents with Indianapolis addresses who were arrested for committing crimes in Johnson County. Uh, reports found that nearly 60 percent of those inmates in the Hendricks County Jail were Indianapolis residents committing crimes in Hendricks County, 40% in Hamilton County. What it does is it proves what we warned of. Now, we don't want to be able to say, hey, we were right. That's not the goal here. What we want to say is we also propose many recommendations and solutions for this, primarily closing the revolving door of criminal justice in Marion County. We warned of the tragic outcomes with this specific Marion County prosecutor, yet Marion County voters elected uh, him into office. So unless something drastic happens in terms of a change in that that office or him stepping down, we have four more years of this. Um, and that is what has demoralized our officers probably more than anything. Uh, but uh, it's time for residents to get a handle on this, see what is going on. And I, I used to say, if you live in a surrounding county and you think this doesn't involve you because it's an Indianapolis problem, stand by because it's coming to a neighborhood near you. And unfortunately, that's proven to be the case. Rick Snyder, the head of Indy FOP, on behalf of all of us here at WIBC, thank you to all the police officers, the sheriff's deputies, all that you guys do. We appreciate it. And, man, we hope the situation gets better out there. Thank you very much. God bless. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
21 minutes after 9, you're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. He's Rob Kendall. You can find him on Twitter, Rob M. Kendall. My name is Casey Daniels. You can find me there as well, Casey Daniels 317. So John Kerry has a visit to China planned. And uh, yes, it's going to be the first formal climate talks between the two countries in nearly a year. Of course, this on the heels of Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen's trip that wrapped up over the weekend. And her trip there highlighted cooperation between the U.S. and China about climate change and some of her remarks in Beijing. So this is a serious question for you, Casey. Okay. If I were to ask you, our nation's policy on China is? Well, didn't they say it's uh, one China, China one? But my point in terms of how we deal with China, because there's always all this tough talk, mm-hmm. right? This is what we do in this country. And then we get there and bow. It, right. Yeah. I'm like, So I don't understand, like, are we tough on China? Are they human rights violators? Are they awful people? Or are they our buddy? Because it, it seems a lot in this administration, it's just like with the Saudis. Oh, they're a dictator. They're murderers. They're thugs. And then fist bump. Right. I think it really depends on which way the wind is blowing and who we're sending. Because when Anthony Blinken went, it was uh, a little soft, but come on, guys. And then when Janet Yellen went, well, you know, you saw how that went. Bow, bow, bow. And now John Kerry's going to go and he's going to be tough on the climate with him. Uh, Speaking of John Kerry, so I, uh, so keep in mind, John Kerry was a United States senator for many, many years from Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was also, he was such a powerful senator. He was elevated to Democrat nominee for president. He was the, you know, his party's nominee for president. And he was doing some interview, and he gets asked about. So, so <laughs> there's so many things we have to get to with this. So he's talking about the Ukraine war, mm-hmm. the American. I guess let's just call it the American proxy war with Russia, Russia. Sure. which we are using Ukraine to fight for us. And he starts into this thing about how the impact that the the Ukrainian war is having on the climate. Yeah. But then really quickly, because everything is climate with Kerry, like everything is destroying the environment, other than, of course, his private jet that he takes everywhere, apparently that is not. Sure. But it's destroying the environment, and it's really bad, but hey, we got to do it. Lots of parts of the world are exacerbating the problem right now. But when you have bombs going off and you have damage to septic tanks or to power centers, etc., you have an enormous release of, uh, of greenhouse gas, of methane, of, you know, all of the family of greenhouse gases. And the result is it's adding uh, to the problem. I'm not, you know, believe me. That's uh, the fight in Ukraine is a fight that we have to make, that the world has to make. The values at stake are enormously important to all of us. So I'm not suggesting by any fashion that that this is not a fight we shouldn't be involved in. But I am saying that there are ancillary impacts as a result of it. So, so, so it's okay, I guess, to destroy the environment if it's something you're for. Well, forget the lives lost. <laughs> forget all of the money being sent there by American taxpayers. It's the greenhouse gas emissions that we're concerned about. It, it just shows what complete hypocrites these people are because everything's the environment, right? Like everything you do, the environment is teetering, Casey. Of course, it's been teetering for 50 years and 50 years ago it was teetering as an ice age and now I guess that's not a thing anymore. But all that aside, it's always, this is the last hope. 
Well, this is it, Casey. This is our last chance. And then, well, but we got to do this one. It really depends. When you consider global warming, what is your start date? How far are you going back? Because if you want to go back a few years, yeah, the temperature is really not that much different. If you go back to the time when Jesus was alive, the the globe is actually cooler. So it really depends. On, yeah, it depends on what your start date is. I think this is really interesting. This is the FY24 House State Foreign Operations Appropriations Subcommittee Spending Bill. English, Casey. That, is, that this, was not English. I know. And this is this bill that includes uh, prohibition on funding for envoys oh. that have not been approved by Congress or the Senate. So Kerry's days may be numbered. Listen to this. He only has to get approval from the president and the State Department said that funding for his office. Yeah. So he's the climate czar. The climate, the the envoy, right? $16 million annually is what he spends jetting around the world. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And and again, it's the, whether it's Al Gore or Kerry or these people, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, I guess DiCaprio, unlike these other people, doesn't have any power over anyone. I guess Al Gore really doesn't anymore either. But all of these politicians who climate this and green that, they are the least green amongst us and that's always how it works under socialism Casey the people at the top ignore the rules and get all the benefits and you little little peasants down at the bottom you're the ones who have to abide by the rules and your life has to suffer here is my favorite part of this whole thing though so as I said he was a U.S. senator Mm -hmm. very high ranking was so well so powerful he rose to be the Democrat nominee for president and he gets asked about Ukraine, because Biden came out the other day and said, well, you know, Ukraine shouldn't be in the U.N. Of course, we've given them, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars, but we're not ready for them to be in the the U.N. just yet. They're not ready yet. And I I just love how a guy who was a U.S. senator who had all sorts of uh, information and knowledge on foreign policy was a major party nominee for president suddenly starts playing stupid on whether or not the Ukraine should be in the U.N. You just heard the president say now's not the time for Ukraine to join NATO. If not now, then when? Well, I'm I'm not uh, I'm I'm the climate envoy at this point, and I'm not dealing with uh, Ukraine except for the environmental damage in Ukraine, which we are taking stock of. Mm-hmm. I I know nothing other than environmental damage. You know, John Kerry, he loves to be held. Except for accountable. <laughs> you know, remember, you ever seen the Austin Powers movies mm-hmm. where Dr. Evil's like holding his hands out, looking around, very confused? That was John Kerry when getting asked, hey, we've spent hundreds of billions over there. Is it time to put them in the UN? Well, I'm just the climate guy. I don't have any I, idea. I couldn't speak to that. It is 928. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And joining us next, we're going to speak with Micah Beckwith on 93 WIBC. Hey, Rob, did you know 96% of Americans, 96% forfeit $111,000 in Social Security income? That sounds like a lot of money. It is, but it's true. You can learn how you could avoid this with a free Social Security analysis. And that's from Bill Demery, your retirement guy right here in Indy. We trust Bill. We're clients of his, and he knows Social Security like the back of his hand. Mm -hmm. This free analysis pinpoints exactly when you should 
file for Social Security while considering your taxes, spousal benefits, and Medicare premiums. If you've saved at least $200,000 for retirement and have not filed for Social Security, schedule your free analysis by calling 317-932-9912. Save yourself a ton of time and don't lose a dime in Social Security income. Schedule your free analysis by calling 317-932-9912. That's 317-932-9912. It's time to go to church. Here to preach to the choir from the bully pulpit, Pastor Micah Beckwith. WIBC, it is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob Casey's here, and let's go to the drivehubler.com hotline. He's the last chance for any sort of success here in the state of Indiana. <laughs> Pastor Mike, how about that for an inter- uh, no intro back with? How about that? <laughs> That's a good one. I like it. Uh, I like it. <laughs> okay, so you're like uh, crisscrossing the state now. Um, so here's my question to you. When you are talking to these various uh, GOP clubs, of course, you're running for lieutenant governor. When you're talking to these various GOP clubs, breakfast, shindigs, do they think the Republicans are doing a good job? Well, in in general, the answer I would say is they think they can. the Republicans can be doing a much better job. So I think that's kind of how – like. I don't hear too many people disparaging the Republicans on on a mass kind of level, but I do hear them say, "Gosh, we're a supermajority Republican legislature. Why aren't we more bold in our conservative values?" And I say, "That's a great question. That's why I'm running. That's why we need people who have a backbone to get in there and actually defend what we know to be right." And and I think they see that a lot of the leaders right now in our state are defending what's right, but they're doing it really scared they're they're not they're not doing it boldly and i think they're saying just get out there and you know we don't have to apologize for the women's sports bill that keeps biological men out of women's sports like that's a very common sense good thing to have and we need to boldly defend that and yet you know we pass something like that because we know it's the right thing to do and then the legislature's kind of cower and they're like well don't don't uh, you know don't don't talk to me about that one or i, I don't want to get out there and defend it I'll, I'll do what's right but i don't want to defend what's right and i think that's probably more of the frustration that I see from people when I'm crisscrossing the state over the last month. Because I had a, a conversation yesterday with a very high-profile person from Hendricks County, and he said at one of these, I guess you guys have breakfasts where people come and eat food and listen to you guys speak. That's, I don't know, I got banned, I think, for most of them. So, <laughs> you uh, can come with me. I'm coming. I go to a lot of them. You can come with me. So you can be my plus one. <laughs> I want you to win, Micah. No, you don't want me anywhere near these. But he, he was saying that at one of these more recent ones, like Jeff Thompson, who is the head of Ways and means is up there speaking and your buddy crane is there and they're going on about you know taxes and they like they think everything's fine like oh no yeah yeah there's this minor thing with property taxes but it'll it'll be okay and i wonder like in the are the people in the audience going boy these people are absolutely right or are they going you people are crazy you're not representing us yeah i think that's that's a very good assessment that that you're catching on to. I think most people in the audience are saying, what are you talking about? Like I, I, I'm literally my property taxes just today. Like Susan and I have to go and up our payments, our, our loan payments, because we, we, our property taxes went up 800 bucks this year. And, and it, you know, with Biden economics, the way that our country's going, $800 um, doesn't go nearly as far as it, what it used to go. And so we're, we're saying, gosh, we could really use that money elsewhere. And I think most Indiana residents are and Hoosiers are saying the same thing. And so when you hear a 
politician get up there and be like, yeah, it's not really that bad. Or, hey, there's not a whole lot we can do about it. That's what I hear from them. It's like, there's not really much we can do about it. We've capped it at 1%. And I'm like, guys, you know the system is rigged. You know that even though the cap is at 1%, our assessments are going through the roof. California did the same thing. That's why their property values, that's why it costs a million and a half for a, you know, an 800-square-foot home out in California is because they know how to get their money. They just keep upping assessments. And that's what's happening in Indiana, and people can't afford it. And so to hear a politician get up and say, ah, it's fine, there's nothing to see here, or there's nothing we can do about it, I mean, none of those are, are sufficient when to the people I'm talking, I'm talking to. And I'm going to a lot of these GOP breakfasts. Hey, Micah, now you had mentioned when we first started talking how you feel like maybe some of the politicians are being a little sheepish, not so bold. Do you think it has anything to do with the polarized political climate in the country right now? Like nobody wants to go far right or far left on anything? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the the left is very good at being very loud, and they're 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 like a a loud dog barking. Like the bark might be loud, but the bite's not not bad at all. And I think politicians have convinced themselves that the bite is really bad as well. And in a state like Indiana, what I have found is as long as you just stand up to the cancel culture and you're bold, and you you have a re- you can defend what you believe. That's 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 a critical piece of it right there but if you can defend what you believe and you can stand on that boldly you win i mean you're gonna win the battle every time i mean there's they might get loud they might be mad they might scream and kick and but eventually they're gonna take their ball and leave because they just they're gonna realize you're not somebody that can be pushed into submission and so that's what i found as a pastor our church is uncancelable like we don't back down to the left when they call us and scream and say we can't believe you're defending life and you know you should like how dare your pastor gets down and to the state house and and is, is supporting the abortion ban or things of that nature and we just double down we say nope we're this is who we are this is what the word of god says and if you don't like it well, we don't care. So, and and when that happens, people just they essentially just give up. I mean, they'll the left will just say, "Okay, well, we can't we can't touch them, so we're going to go find some other schmuck that will actually be afraid of us when we come screaming." So, so that's what we need. We need the bold leadership to say, you know, you you you're not going to pass uh, any anymore. We're not going to allow this crap to be pushed in our schools. We're not going to allow the left to make us think that we're, you know, on an island by ourselves. The majority of people in Indiana are faith and family, conservative-minded people. And I'm seeing that all over the place. Uh, Micah Beckwith is our guest. Uh, Okay, so yesterday, the big news coming out. He'll be on our show tomorrow. Curtis Hill, going to run for governor. I like Curtis because he's an agitator. You know me, I like the agitators. And I love anyone that Holcomb despises. So, uh, look, I'm not not endorsing anyone, but I will just say, if you're kind of on the fence about maybe who to vote for, uh, remember who Holcomb likes the least and vote accordingly. Uh, What what say you, Micah, about uh, now a fourth person in the, the governor? race well first of all i think it's great i i'm the more the more the merrier i i say give the people the choice that's one of the reasons i'm running for lieutenant governor is to give the delegates the choice you're not going to be told who to vote for uh like we have been in the last 40 years it's to give the people a choice and so the fact that curtis is jumping in it's just another it's another choice for republican voters to say okay who's the best candidate here and to your point curtis has proven that he is a fighter and that and going back to what we were saying earlier I don't want just a conservative. I want a conservative fighter 
to go into the battle because this is a if you're not if you can have conservative values all day long, but if you're not bold enough to defend those values, you're going to be pretty much uh, ineffective uh, in the governor's office. And so Curtis, he's done that. He stood up to Holcomb. He defended the marriage amendment. Um, he defended uh, your liberties. Um, uh, to, during the shutdowns and the lockdowns when Holcomb was trying to you know, put masks on everyone and tell you you can't come out of your home. And so, so he's, really, he's really taken a lot of arrows from the establishment, and that, that gives him a lot of cred. Now, the question will be with Curtis is can he raise the money? I think that's where people are saying, you know, it's, well, he's, he might be great. He's got some good name ID, but can he raise the money? And I think, I, I think the answer is probably, yeah, he can. He's a very good campaigner. He's a very good um, he's a very good re- retail politics kind of guy. Um, and so I've done some conferences with him, some faith and family conferences. Got, we call them the God and Country uh, conferences. And, and he really connects with people. I mean, I'm telling you, I see it all over the state. So it's going to be fun to watch, that's for sure. You have an event with Curtis, is that right? I mean, well, not, like, so, not, like, not like you, the candidate, has an event, but Life Church has an event. Because you, you guys have politicians. Yeah. Let me be very clear on this. Life Church, not endorsing anyone, but you guys have politicians, Democrats, Republicans, whatever, in your church all the time because you think that's important. People know who's running. People know who's governing them. Yeah, 100%. So we're not, you know, the church is not endorsing Curtis by any means, but we are saying we want the candidates to, to have a place where they can get their message out so that the people can be educated. So Curtis, tomorrow night, Wednesday night, uh, at six o'clock, it's going to be at our Fishers campus location on 141st Street. Um, it, that's going to be the um, that, that's where Curtis is going to be. So at six o'clock, if you're around in the Hamilton County area and you want to come and hear Curtis uh, kick off his campaign, and and you and you'll be able to ask him a lot of questions. There'll be time for you know Q and A, shaking hands, and and uh, so so come on out at six o'clock at Life Church. And again, this is. We, we would host any candidate running for governor. I mean, even Democrats. Like, I've, we've hosted Democrats uh, who've been running for office, and we give them a platform. We say, tell us what you believe, why you believe it. Now, sometimes, you know, we'll push back on you. Like, if you're a Democrat coming into our church and saying that, you know, abortion is a good thing, like, you're not going to get away with being able to say that. Uh, we're going we're gonna to kind of nail you on that one or something. But, but we want the people to – to learn about the process, to know who's actually out there running, and so so we're doing that for Curtis. Um, and then and then we've done we've hosted uh, Eric Doden and Suzanne Crouch on on our podcast. Nathan and I at Life Church have a podcast called Jesus, Sex, and Politics, and uh, and we've had Suzanne and uh, Eric um, on the on the podcast, and so you can check that out too to kind of find out who they are and what they're what they're running for. Hey, Mike, and now I have heard from a little birdie that when Curtis Hill has been out at some events recently, he's been a little bit low energy. Uh, now, yeah, Whoa. well, hey, Rob has said that he's an agitator. And what I've heard is that maybe he's um, slow walking his introduction as you know, for his campaign. Is, is that important? Like, does that affect the voter? Well, you got to have energy. I mean, people, if people see that you lack energy, the question is going to be, can you do the job? And I mean, cause it's a, it's a, it's a tedious job going into any political office. I mean, you're, you're, you know, working overtime all the time. And so that's, that's, that's a good question. If he is low energy, then that would be a concern, but I've not seen that in him personally. Okay. I, anytime I've interacted with Curtis, he's always got a pep in his step and, and he's, you know, you can tell he's, he's ready to roll. So, um, but, but yeah, we'll see again, it's uh, a, a statewide race. Um, 
he's not he's not any younger than when when he ran in 2016. So that's always the question, Casey, right? Like Casey, I will actually take you to Taco Bell if you ask him tomorrow. If you start our interview, hey, I've heard you're low energy. What's I will. I will. I will ask him because I've heard that from somebody else who's you know in the political world. And I hey, you've got one guy with possible low energy, and then you've got Doden who's just been MIA. Mike Braun's still in Washington. So you know, I mean, these are things that we consider as voters. Hey, real quick, back with before we let you go. Um, yeah. I want. Here's what I want you to do now that you're out on the campaign trail. I sure. want you to keep a running tally of how many votes you win based on your association with me and how many you <laughs> lose based on your association with me. We'll have a sign-up sheet. It'll say, do you like Micah because of Rob Kendall or do you hate Micah because of Rob Kendall? And they can sign their names down, so that'll be, a, that'll be good. Now, now, Rob, I mean, yes. are you considering in introducing me at the convention? Is this something that, uh, I mean, you're, yeah. Well, here's the, I'm torn on this, Micah, because one, I want you to win. So clearly, as I've told you many times via text message, you have to win because you are the only hope left. So I will do whatever it takes. If you want me to stand on my head, uh, if you want me to, uh, you know, stand on the, is it at the Coliseum again this time, on the top of the Coliseum? Whatever I can do, because this party is totally lost, and I believe you're the only hope left. All right, we'll figure out something fun for you. We'll put you in a dunk tank and let all the angry politicians pay uh, What a great – well, that's you. a fundraiser right there. <laughs> what a great fundraiser for the Micah Beckwith for Governor campaign. Hey, and real, real, real quick, uh, yeah. not related to anything campaign, but I've told this story multiple times on air. I did want to say it real quick. Thank you so much for what you and all the people at Life Church did during uh, uh, the birth of my child. I've talked about how you set up that uh, prayer chain during the birth, and it made such a difference. And, man, on behalf of Gabrielle and myself, we just absolutely can't thank you guys enough for that. Well, we love you guys, and it's an honor to, to pray with you and to be a part of this you know, season of your life. And, and uh, there's power in prayer. I mean, you, know, you texted me, and you're like, she's stuck. And we've been here for a while, and we don't know what to do. I said, hey, well, let's just take it to the Lord because he's a great physician. And he can he can make your body do whatever he needs to make it do. And so we just, you know, we, we sent it out to the staff, and I just said, hey, you know, and they all know you, Rob, and they all love you. Uh, it's, it's funny. I mean, you've you got a pretty high uh, like, like uh, rate at uh, at Life Church, so maybe maybe they don't. Uh, they're not like the typical politicians. They would not dunk you if there was a dunk tank. My, so, my, so they, go they were uh, they they were all happy to pray, and then you know we prayed, and and uh, and then a few few minutes later, it was like, all right, she's moving again. So yeah. praise God, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah, thank you so much. All right, uh, Micah, you're wonderful. You're the best. Thank you so much. And uh, Casey, take us a break. This is the Kendall and Casey Show on ninety three WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. If you down, <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that cocaine at the White House coming up. 953, it's Kendall and Casey. On 93 WIBC, a new poll showing that Donald Trump has a commanding lead over Ron DeSantis. This was a Florida Atlantic University Main Street Polcom poll. And let's see, DeSantis received 30%. Uh, and this is from Floridians, his home state. Donald Trump, however, getting 50%. So, yeah. Uh, look, Ouch. I, we said this yesterday to quote planes, trains, and automobiles. Uh, you're going the wrong way. You're going in the wrong direction. You're going to kill somebody. I mean, that is... That is the DeSantis campaign at this point. And it doesn't 
it doesn't feel like he's done anything wrong. Like when Rick Perry, remember when Rick Perry, oh my gosh, Rick Perry in 2012, he's going to get in. It's going to be the greatest thing ever. And then within three weeks, ooh, you know, he forgets things and oops. And same thing with Fred Thompson in 2008. It doesn't feel like DeSantis has done anything wrong. Like there's been no gaffe. There's been no, boy, you're, this guy's just not out Way off base. working it. Yeah. I mean, he's campaigning. It's just people are unwilling to move off of Trump. Yep. And if it's like it's like Dayton, the girl that you know is cheating on you, right? Like if you if you put all the flaws of the everybody's had that friend who is just in love with some girl who is doing him wrong mm-hmm. and keeps doing him wrong. And all you can do is point out the obvious flaws of the person they're engaged in the relationship with. And if somebody doesn't want to break up with that person, as the friend you recognize, I'll pray for you, and that's about all I can do. And with Trump, the majority of Republican voters clearly want to be in a relationship with somebody who is mortally flawed as a candidate and is going to have an incredibly tough time, if not impossible, to win in November 2024. And at this point, Casey... There's not much else you can say because that's what people want. Mm-hmm. Well, the poll says that approximately one out of every five Republicans would feel disloyal if they backed another candidate. So are we? That's all, insane. Are we trauma bonded <laughs> here with Donald Trump? Is that what is going on? But, but that is a great point of people feel a loyalty to the candidate. No, he should feel the loyalty. Any candidate should feel a loyalty to the voter. You don't owe them crap. Mm -hmm. This poll also said that uh, if Trump and DeSantis were to face off against Biden, Trump would beat him by 49%. DeSantis would beat him by 49% as well. Uh, Look, hey, I'm just telling you what's going to happen next year and people appear ready for that train wreck. So keep getting in the sack with the chick who's cheating on you. All right. So I signed up for a new social media last night. We're going to talk about that coming up from 93 WIBC. Good morning.